Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. I'm Paul Verhoeven and that's my ex-cop dad, John Verhoeven. And dad, last week you teased some stuff. You basically said that you and mum went to an antique call... And you refuse to tell me any more, but you have strongly implied that what listeners are about to hear today on Loose Units is a bit of a Loose Units exclusive. Is that correct? Correct. So I've reached out to a couple of senior New South Wales police mm-hmm. just to sort of not fact check, but try and sort of uh, elicit any sort of underground sort of informational stories sort of in in the annals of, you know, the police force, at least here in New South Wales, because I'm sure that all of the police listening to this particular episode, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when they join a, you know, sort of whatever police force it is in the world, they join the police, they hear stories. Uh, They hear them from the minute they start at the police academy. Like rumours and stuff? Rumours, myth, legend... Innuendo, uh, not in your endo, but in <laughs> in your endo. In the middle of a serious monologue. Well done. I know, I know. But the thing is, Paul and listeners, yeah. I wanted to sort of, I mean, I we've been doing this podcast for our fifth year. A long time, yes. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's fair to say mm-hmm. that you and I have always... I was going to say dreamt about, but that would imply being asleep. But if you could sort of say a waking dream, the two of us have always almost fantasized about getting a scoop, some information that no one else knows about. And the thing is, the whole loose unit's premise is dad has been telling stories from his perspective, that have never been told publicly. And the past season has been, you know, you and I exploring very famous cases, but. This sounds like something completely different. Is well, that correct? it's really, really heavy. It's mm. so... But I sort of want to build up to it, if I may, by saying that a good friend of mine, mm-hmm. he... And he was pretty high up in the New South Wales Fire Brigades. He, just for fun, because he ran dive tours in the Philippines, Yeah, he pretended over many years, that he was a Qantas pilot. He even went so far as to occasionally wear a Qantas flight crew hat. Now, to what end? I'm guessing it was to secure dalliances with members of the opposite sex. Was this a... And also the hotel. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So you cruise in in a uh, in a pilot's uniform and mm. it opens doors for you, basically. Correct. Okay. Okay. So, and it was just for shits and giggles. Mm-hmm. No harm. Now, just follow me with this, Paul. You, you have faith in me, don't you? Mostly. Mostly. So, I mean, I'm, I have to edit out anything that gets a bit weird, but please mm. get. Continue. This is not going to get weird, but I want to sort of just create sort of a bit of a vibe for the listeners to. So my point is going to be this. Mm-hmm. He got away with it for a long time. Sure. And it also reminds me of another friend of ours that you know, Paul, that we used to go to Bali all the time. And when we went to this particular hotel, and you know this guy really well, he was always referred to as Doctor. And then Christine and I, we used to just, we thought we were hearing things. Because we knew this guy that you know too is no fucking doctor, but he bullshitted. He just fucking lied. And they and he create, creates this aura, this legend. So, you know, you're going to get caught out eventually. With my friend in the Philippines, he goes into a hotel one night. The manager of the hotel says, oh, come this way and introduce him to two real Qantas, like a captain and a co-pilot. Oh, that's like a classic catch-me-if-you-can moment. That's amazing. So yeah, what happened? and my friend did exit stage right. Okay. And never went back to that hotel again. Gotcha. Ever. So, and here is the crux of this, listeners. You can't bullshit when you're talking about a particular occupation. So when I meet a police officer, mm-hmm. it becomes incredibly apparent within a very, very short time, probably between well, between 30 seconds and 60 seconds, you know straight away whether this person actually was a police officer. Okay. Which brings me to the story. It's really important because I heard things that I'm going to talk about today that it was like a game we, we played, but I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. It, I had to do an antique call two weeks ago. Okay. Christine rarely comes on antique calls. Why? Because she ends up sitting in the ute and sometimes she just feels sorry for me. And sometimes she's bored. Sometimes she just wants to get out. I know that she detests being a passenger in the ute because the ute's basically got no suspension left. It's sort of like driving a steamroller on marbles. <laughs> but I like it. I like it. And, and it's you got dri- torn. You- you drive quite assertively, I think it's fair uh, to say. Paul, that's for another podcast. <laughs> okay. So That's for a court any- case. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it's so funny, Paul, coming from someone that doesn't have a license. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. Fair. Yeah, well played. Well no, played. no. Okay. So, so, look, Christine comes with me. We go to this place. And the first thing I'd like to say is that I dealt with this particular uh, lady. She'd sent me photos through of two really nice... Uh, French legal bookcases. They're quite unique. She had described them as haberdashery cabinets, which they were not, Mm -hmm. uh, and I told her that. Now, she was... She struck me as being... um, And I'm quite aware that they may be listening. So, But she was amazing, but she was definitely had a, a zest for life, which is important for me to say that at this juncture because it became later apparent as to why that was the case that I didn't know at the time, but she'd had a a conversation with Christine unbeknownst to me. So Christine's sitting in the ute. Um, I go and check out the gear. 
and I'm sort of, you know, rattling around in this two-story garage, which is kind of weird, had a staircase at the back, and it's in a... I'm not going to sort of talk too much about the suburb. I'm going to be slightly sort of discreet. Uh, So when I'm sort of loading the ute, this lady, she's chatting with Christine. Christine's in the car in the window down, and they're chatting about various things. Christine's sort of, you know, telling her about what she does. And then Christine just happens to mention that she'd been in the New South Wales Police Force. Gotcha. And my ears, you know, sort of pricked up. And because it's fair to say, listeners and Paul, that I had no reason to broach the subject of the New South Wales Police Force. There was just no reason. It wasn't going to happen. But, oh God, this is such an extraordinary story. What happens is the lady became really animated and pretty excited listening to Christine's stories. Mm-hmm. And then I butted in and said, well, actually, Christine was in the first class of females in general duties in New South Wales. Um, shout out to uh, to Sue, who listens to this podcast, who was in your first book, Paul. Hello, Sue. And, you. you know, Christine's chatting away. And this this woman is genuinely, she's really excited. Like, Christine's a trailblazer. And Christine sort of delivers her... Her story is very calmly, probably the opposite to the way I talk, because I become super animated and really excited. Christine's very calm, very sort of almost offhandish. Yeah, it was nothing. And then the lady turns around and basically shouts into the garage to her husband. And he comes out. She says to him, oh, um, by that stage, Christine had said that I'd also been in the New South Wales Police Force. So she says to the husband... Uh, hi, these, you know, she obviously didn't say hi, that'd be weird. Um, says, look, here, John and Christine, they, they were in the police force. And all of a sudden, his face just changed to one of, it was like sort of sort of just taking a, like a, a translucent sort of shade or netting above, away from his face. And he just, he's, he was beaming. And within a very short time what he was doing he was kind of sussing me out and i was sussing him out so i'd give him a sort of a fairly average generic story he'd he'd reply i'd go a bit deeper he'd go deeper and within and it became very apparent that he had worked with some pretty fucking heavy police one of whom was the infamous roger rogerson Oh, boy. So he worked with Roger Rogerson. And if the listeners cast their memories back to the time when I was working general duties at North Sydney with a senior police officer, we got called down to Luna Park. There was a body in the harbour. Remember that story? Yes, yes, vividly. Okay. And do you recall what my partner did? He shoved the body back out to, to the sea, it so it didn't drift into someone else's jurisdiction. Well, he then called, we called the water police. Yeah. <clears throat> now, I thought at the time, and I'd heard stories about that sort of thing happening at the academy. You don't really believe it mm-hmm. until it happens. It happened to me. Then he tells me a story. And that is that he and Roger Rogerson, the two of them, exactly the same scenario. Except this time, Roger Rogerson reached down and grabbed... And sort of basically searched the person while they were floating, like wedged on the harbour. 
took his wallet out, took all the money out, like did a thorough search. So basically, you know, just sort of took all his belongings and then pushed him back out into the harbour. And then same thing, got in touch with VKG, who organised for the water police. Now, that's just that's a minor thing, but it's interesting. That sort of corroborated that that sort of thing did happen at the time. Yes. Then I mentioned Central Police Station. Paul, do you remember, in fact, in the opening chapter that is such a beautiful, well-written sort of story, the way you talk about how I drove down George Street in my... White Holden. Yes. And there were those guys that pulled up next to me at the lights. Mm-hmm. And I did something that I guess would in the least be a sackable offence and something that I'm not super sort of... I'm, I'm kind of... It, it was a, a moment in time. And for the listeners that don't know, they can go back and read your first chapter. Yeah. In the first book. Of the first book, yes. Yes. So, but when I drove down George Street that night, off to the left was the infamous Central Police Station and the cells were so fucking scary and heavy that it was like Darlinghurst. There were two places in Sydney at the time that police from other areas were just basically, they were no-go areas. You okay. were not allowed to go into Darlinghurst King's Cross if you were in another police station, even if you just wanted to cruise through, which I did occasionally because it was so exciting. But if your boss back at your station found out, you you were up shit creek without a paddle. And the other place where I only ever went to once in my career when we had that female prisoner who was from a TV show, she she was sort of she was just out of control. She pulled her pants down in the dock. She urinated everywhere. She was literally fucking crazy her husband who was a lawyer he tried to um this was at north sydney police station probably on a saturday night and he was really belligerent and then the station sergeant just reached across grabbed him by the shoulders and dragged him over the counter like it was it was a classic frontier land and i'm my eyes are just bulging we didn't have the facilities at North Sydney to keep females. Well, they barely had the facilities for female cops, let alone female prisoners. Exactly. And, you know, you couldn't go to the toilet, for example, at the cells at North Sydney. There's no, there's no privacy. And look, so what we had to do that night, we had to take her to central cells. Okay. That's the first and last time. And it, as it happened, weirdly there was a jail strike across New South Wales. And, I, and I'm sure you recall the story how we took the woman in. She tried to jump out of the dock. One of the police officers at Central Cells basically punched her in the face and knocked her out. And, and I, I, I saw that. And I'm not quite sure. There was this like a, there was a big button on the wall. This is a place that was basically hand-hewn out of sandstone and all the hard yards were done, the construction was done by convicts. And I've spoken to police officers that are in the job today and they, one police officer last week said to me, oh yeah, I I know that place. The prosecutors are above that. And I said, but do you know about the catacombs? That They're literally sort of cavernous um, sort of walkways that go down underneath the CBD and there are tunnels that actually go up to the district court. It's, Mm. it's, it's incredible. And, this particular police officer last week said, <clears throat> I had no idea. So it's, it's been closed for a long, long time. But this particular night, I don't know how it happened. 
one of the police officers at Central could see that we were both sort of in awe and decided to take us down into the into the bowels of the you know of the cells, which were infamous. And Paul, we have mentioned it before that there was a prison strike, and they had these cells that could hold in excess of a hundred people. And I'll never forget we went down, down, down into the the sort of the it was it felt like a journey to the center of the earth. It was really hot, and there behind all the sort of basically in cages were these men and the only thing these men were wearing were white towels and it was like I I, I just I as a young police officer in my early 20s to witness this and it was probably something you weren't supposed to see but it was it was eye-opening and then this ex-police officer says to me a little over a week ago, he says, because somehow or other we got onto the cells, he said, yeah, he said, um, and this is just one of these really interesting stories that proves beyond a reasonable doubt that everything he's saying is 100% factual. He said, we used to play cricket down in the sort of the aisles of the this, this catacomb. We'd play hardcore cricket. And he said, all the offenders... All the prisoners, of which sometimes there could be over a hundred, they all stuck one arm out of the cells. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. And we'd play cricket and you'd hit the ball down these long corridors with literally just 
If you can imagine this corridor with literally hundreds of arms on either side sticking out, can you guess what they were trying to do, the, the prisoners? Yeah, catch the ball. Correct. And the prisoner that caught the ball, and they couldn't see the ball. You can't see the ball. Right. It's like you're just, you're here, you hear the, uh, you know, the ball being hit, and you're just kind of, you're just clutching, and occasionally a prisoner would catch it, and they would give them a cigarette as a prize. Bizarre. And it's bizarre. So, you know, little stories like that, and then the stories got dark. And he started to tell me stories that I'm going to relay to you and the listeners that was so intense that at one stage his wife said to him with some surprise, oh, you've never told me that before. So I think it happens when police feel as though a lot of time has gone by, they've never been able to talk about this particular thing. And he told me that he was also a bouncer up in the cross. So imagine, and I knew police at North Sydney that were really great police officers. And as a part-time job, they used to be bouncers, you know, work the doors, which is pretty scary. And one night there was a, a drug raid at a particular establishment in King's Cross, quite a famous place, known for its... Well, we've discussed it in previous podcasts. Let's just say that. They did a massive raid and basically the drug squad came in and they, you know, searched everyone. And this uh, this guy is talking to me and he says that all the police basically just all the drugs and all the cash, they just stuffed it into their pockets. Basically, the, the entire operation was just a seizure of drugs and cash that was never, ever handed in. And then a couple of the police recognised this particular guy and he said to me that he just ran. So he had he had criminals and police in one sort of event chasing him, which was quite terrifying. So he's sort of, we're chatting away. I'm, I'm telling him stories. He's telling me stories. And then he paused and he looked at me and he said some words to me that shook me uh, once he told me this story. And bearing in mind, listeners, that Christine and the wife are listening in. They're standing over near the ute. And he said to me, have you heard of the Darlow book? Now, this is the crux of this podcast, Paul. This is the thing that I'd never heard about. Christine had never heard about the wife had never heard about it, and I've made inquiries this week, and no one's heard about it. But it's important to to remember when listening to this particular story that I'm about to tell you, mm-hmm. that is that it's factual, okay? Because the story was relayed to me in the first person, from him to me, We'd already established the ground rules insofar as we'd proven beyond a reasonable doubt that everything he had said up until that point was 100% factual. And this is when the story gets so dark. And this is an exclusive story. I've never, ever 
heard even a whisper of what I'm about to tell you. Okay. It's fucking heavy and scary. Basically, you know, Paul, and some of the listeners know that at Darlinghurst Police Station, they had a cell that was a permanent 24-hour bar. Remember that? Yeah. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. And that would have been supplied by, you know, local hoteliers, licensed, you know, it was, it was it would have been graft. You know, it would have been delivered on a probably a regular basis or they would have had the paddy wagon or some detective's car going around just filling the boot up with, with grog to keep because there's no way on earth the police at Darlinghurst would have paid for any of this alcohol. That's fact one. Fact two is that they had another room. They had another cell. And what they used to do is they used to get prostitutes, of which there would have been back in the... And it's it's also interesting, listeners, that this story is not from the 80s. It's from the early 90s. So things were still fucked up. Okay, I thought that I was working in the worst decade, but then people will say, well, hang on, the 70s were really scary. But interestingly enough, you know, they had some commissions, royal commissions, to try and tidy things up. Uh, I have a theory about the New South Wales Police Force and other police forces is that there's still obviously corruption. Uh, to, to, to imagine there's no corruption is, is you are living in la-la land, uh, because there is. I know there is, because I get told about it on a fairly regular basis by different sources um, that we don't talk about on the podcast, because some of these things are happening, well, they're current. Yeah. And it's really disturbing. However, when you have humans involved, then that's it. There is temptation. I mean, that's the whole, one of the things about human nature, I guess. So with this particular cell, they brought in prostitutes and they also, well, they set this this room up and what it was for was for police officers and the thrust of the impressions that I got from chatting to this particular person was that they were generally up-and-coming detectives. So because you used to do what was called A-list training where you'd sort of, they'd, Remember, Julian and I, we were asked to become, you know, to train to become detectives? Yes, very much so. Because we were really, you know, we loved it. We thought the job was fair income. And, you know, the, the, the senior detectives, they do see certain traits in certain people. I don't know what it's like today. You know, I don't know whether you just submit a report. But back in the 80s, you had to really prove yourself in general duties. You had to have a really good arrest rate. You had to have a, a thorough knowledge of the law. And that was kind of the beginning. But what they did at this particular station was they they sort of had aspiring junior, uh, you know, detectives, people that they thought were going to be, you know, go all the way. Bearing in mind it was a very corrupt, corrupt regime, and they would set the police officers up on duty, and they would fuck. The prostitutes or the prostitutes would fuck them but it, that's not all that happened there were also rather more insidious things that happened during these um these sort of events shall we call them 
And it was made very clear to me during the conversation that there were other things happening without going into too much detail, for example, insertion of certain objects into certain orifices of said prostitutes. So it was pretty, pretty heavy. But here's the thing, listeners, and this is the part of the story that I, when I heard it, well, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what he said to me firstly. Really important that we get this down. He said to me that every single police officer that had sex or was involved in other more bizarre stuff, let's just say that, every single police officer was photographed with a Polaroid camera. For collateral? It was so that for the rest of their lives, they could never say anything. Right. Okay? It went into a book called the Darlow Book. Oh, God, okay. This is a hard copy book full of photographs of police officers mm-hmm. fucking prostitutes and doing all sorts of committing all sorts of other acts, some of them way too heavy to talk about on this podcast, which sounds so weird. We might say that for a live show. But, and he just told me straight up. And I, of course, instantly believed it. There's no reason not to. This guy, this ex-police officer, I'm probably the only person he's ever told. Um, He's seen the book. I believe on the balance of probabilities, it's highly possible that that book still exists. He said to me, and he mentioned a few really heavy detectives' names, like infamous, famous, really hardcore, underbelly-type characters. They they were all in this book. Now, I got in the ute. I drove home. Christine and I were speechless. And I mean, I said to Christine, I turned to Christine, I said, do you have any... I said, can you believe what we've just heard? Because she heard it too. And we both were in shock. And the second I got home, two Saturdays ago, I constructed, and Christine helped me proof, a very, very detailed and thoughtful message to the couple. And at the end I said, is there any way, because they... They are aware of the podcast and the books. They understand everything. And I said, would it be possible for us to talk about this? And then I finished the, the text by saying, of course, I understand if the answer is no, and, and I fully understand. I didn't hear from them for a week. And I obviously then thought, and Christine and I discussed it over the week, and we agreed that that door had snapped shut forever. And then a few days ago, I get a very, very lovely, detailed and thoughtful, well-written, long text from them saying how they enjoyed meeting us. And of course, we give you absolute permission to talk about all the stories we mentioned. Go for it, which is incredible. And that's when I reached out to you and said, Paul, we have something. Now, I have never, ever done this, and you can... Give me your opinion, Paul, on what you think. But I would actually like to perhaps supply uh, 
one of my email addresses and put it on the podcast. And if anyone has ever heard of or seen this book called The Darlow Book, I'd like them to reach out to me. I tell you what we'll do. We will create a new email address just in case because we don't okay. want to. We want to be safe. Yep. So we'll create a new email address, pop it up on the Facebook page, and if anyone in the force or out of the force or anyone who, yeah, anyone can verify the existence of this thing, because mm. if it still exists, it is in an insane level of leverage over what sounds like an incalculable number of people who are probably very senior members of the uh, New South Wales Police Force at this point. Yeah, or gone that- on to, to politics, etc. Yeah. I mean, it could be the best thing we've ever done on this podcast or it could be the worst thing. Or, you know, it may have been destroyed and it's but a memory never to be sort of, never, never to resurface. Um, I understand to a degree we're, we're playing with fire uh-huh. And at any particular point where I felt it was just not cool, I'd just completely shut it down. Okay, so in summary, you and mum head across to an antique call. You get talking. It turns out the uh, the man in the couple was an ex-police officer, worked in the same era as Roger Rogerson, was partnered with him at some point. But the real takeaway here was that at Central Police Station, which was no, basically- No, no not no- Central. No, it's 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 not Central. It's- it's Darlinghurst slash King's Cross. So at Darlinghurst slash King's Cross mm. police station, which yeah. is within, you know, spitting distance of, yeah. of your neighborhood. Mm. And, you know, the site of many, many, many notorious crimes throughout that era. Up until the 90s, uh, to the best of this guy's knowledge, there was a book called The Darlow Book in which Polaroid photos were stored that were taken of serving police officers having sex with prostitutes uh, on police property and then basically saved as leverage. Yep. Okay. That is... That's very big. Mm. That's extremely big. So, yeah, if anyone has heard of this, if anyone has been... Oh, shit. I don't want to... I don't want to bring too much, you know baggage no. raining down on us but, but please just get in touch uh yeah. you can be anonymous but we will we'll pop some details up on the facebook page mm. uh, and also and also paul maybe this uh loose ends on friday mm-hmm. uh, maybe then we can make an announcement because let's face it a lot of people out there don't don't you know go to facebook so we, i'd like to also at least say the give them the details of the uh the email address yes but we can um, we can line something up. This is a very very big deal. I'm I kept thinking about Dad about the amount of people, like you said, that could have moved into politics. And somewhere there is a dusty old book with a photograph of them in a very compromising position. And that is mm. a oh boy, that's big. I really hope we don't get in trouble for this. But we're keeping our source anonymous. Uh, we aren't anonymous, obviously. Our names are on this, but that's okay because we just heard it from somebody. So we're uh, hopefully we're safe. God, I hope nothing happens to us, Dad. If you don't hear back from Dad um, and I, I guess, I guess something has happened. But uh, anyway, that's that's another very strange episode of Loose Units: The Shadow Files. This series, we have been looking at notorious true crime from all over the world. We've mainly focused on Australia, but this week we did something different and. Uh, may God have mercy on our souls. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Loose Units, The Shadow Files. I'm Paul. That's John. Have a wonderful week. And hopefully we will see you later this week for Loose Ends. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.